Welcome to No Challenges and Rating 2020 US Open Draw Show. I am Ben Rothenberg, joined by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen on Saturday before the US Open. Courtney, it's been a weird day, 24, <laughs> 72 hours, I feel like. Has it only lot. been a day? Has it only been a day? That's so weird. It, has it only been? Yeah, you're right. 72 hours. It's been, it's been, it's been a few days, but uh, it's just so weird that in light of all of that, yeah, we have a slam right around the corner that we are trying to prep for. Um, and it just feels like all of the news and everything that's happened in tennis, unfortunately, doesn't really seem geared towards that slam. And I feel like I don't know if I feel like that it's been that way ever before. Like, I, at least I don't in my experience. Yeah, I don't feel like I have like pre US Open buzz. And part I mean, we had a, a Masters and Premier Five. Well, it's got canceled the Premier Five women's match today, but like a final like today for a Masters. And then the slam starts two days right. away. We haven't had that in tennis and if ever, a very long time ago. And so just take some recalibrating, resetting. And then we have these draws. And I will say, I want to do a draw show. We always do a draw show. But looking at these draws, just because I've seen so little of most of these players lately, I don't feel like I'm going to have a lot to say because usually I can have kind of opine on at least like, I don't know, 115 of these players in each draw if I need to. And now it's just like my data is low in terms of these people, but I'll still have some some light hunches and some and some scattered takes. I guess, but it's gonna be more of a more of a tapas than the usual sort of smorgasbord <laughs> you usually get. It's, I don't know if it's gonna be super satisfying for folks, but I'm, I'll try. Well, I mean, I I totally agree with you. It was I wrote my draw reaction, draw analysis for the WTA website um, yesterday, and you know I normally have kind of the way that I do these things, which is you know the summary of the tournament, and then like maybe five storylines, right? Like yeah. here are the tournament favorites. Here's what their draws kind of look like. Oh, but watch out for these two players, you know, and then like notable matches to watch. Like those, that's usually the format. And as I started to write this, I just felt like I had to throw that format completely out the window because precisely what you said, we don't have data points. We don't have any real sense. We have a sense as a certain players who are playing really well. Yeah, But we don't have a sense as to players who have in the past performed well and would normally be expected to play well this, you know, over the course of the next two weeks. We don't really have a sense as to whether or not they're they're in a position to do so. And then you add on top of that what you were saying, I think, um, you know, on the last podcast of kind of like, you know, we do kind of have to also, I think it was you, it was either you or it was James on the Body Surf podcast. Okay. It's one of, it's one of my two favorite men. Um, but, uh, wow, but yeah. Wow, Jonathan Shade there. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> um, Jonathan is my favorite. So actually, anyways. But yeah, no, but it's kind of saying like, look, we have to cut these, these, these players slack, like yeah. on both sides. Like there's zero expectation that we can't like nothing's a disappointment everything's kind of a bone i don't know so it's it's just like a weird time to apply the same rubric that we normally apply to a, a massive sporting event which is the u.s open um and the and the, the 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 glasses that you and i normally wear when we're analyzing a draw right to like this pandemic draw <laughs> which no, completely honestly it's like all of you get participation medals and we should go home <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that way a lot i feel like there's no losers <laughs> at this tournament even though half the players will technically lose first round and all but one will lose by the end yeah i feel the same way i feel a little bit ambivalent about the stakes of this and i i'm hoping by the time monday comes around that it'll feel grand slammy even without the i, I don't know because the stakes will be there it will still be a real 
first round use of a match is very clear grand slam stakes at play in terms of history and all that. Um, I hope it clicks in. For me, I'm not totally there yet, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Should we should start with these draws? You want to start with women? Let's go. All right. The first section of the draw going for the half. Top seed is Carolina Pliskova, who's a WTA number three. She is one of the four top 10 women who are in the draw. Pliskova opens against Annalena Kalinina and then faces Paulinia Garcia. And then in her section later on, notably her seed in her mini, in her octet is Jen Brady, the 28th seed, the recent Lexington champ. Uh, Pliskova lost her first match in Cincinnati. We've not seen a lot of Pliskova playing meaningful tennis. Is she a favorite to make it, uh, let's say even just past Brady, let's start there. What do you think, Courtney, for this, those eight players? Yeah, I, I wasn't as concerned. When Carolina lost, she lost to Veronica Kudermatova in a great match. Kudermatova played lights out. And Kudermatova had come through, I believe, qualifying. She's been playing, you know, throughout the restart. So lots of matches under her belt and played like somebody who had matches under her belt. And Pliskova was her first match back. So in a lot of ways, after that match was done, I didn't really think Carolina played poorly. I just didn't think she was particularly sharp. And I wasn't as worried I look at her draw, though, and there are reasons to be concerned, and primarily that reason is Jen Brady, yeah. a potential third-round opponent. I think, I mean, as you know, Ben, and as I've mentioned before, like Jen has impressed me from day one of this season, um, and I'm just really big and, and, and high on her chances of, of doing a lot of damage. I think that's a tough matchup for Carolina, and I think there's something that Carolina said in her press conference that also gave me a little bit of pause, which is, well, two things. Well, first, which doesn't give me pause, is that she said, you know— this six months, obviously terrible circumstances, but, you know, I've been going nonstop for four years mm-hmm. and, you know, I've played tons of matches. She's always in the the leaderboard of like most matches and all that sort of stuff and under pressure. I mean, she's been pretty much in the top 10 for those four years. And she said it was really nice to just not think about tennis. And so she said, you know, you may not see it on the court, but I come back like mentally fresh. And that was nice to hear just yeah. as somebody has you and I both love Carolina, like as a person, like she's great. Yeah. So that was quite nice to hear. But she did say that she's like, you know, I don't know if it'll show in my tennis, but I am mentally fresher. But the other thing that that gave me a little bit concern is that when asked when I asked her about the court speed, um, she was like, yeah, I have no idea why the US Open decided to do this. It's faster, right? And and, mm-hmm. and and for most players who have a big serve or a big forehand, you know, you think, oh, they're gonna love this. But Carolina sounded like she did not. And I can understand that because you look at a player like her who is going to get aces regardless of whether it's a fast hard court or a medium-paced hard court. So the speed actually doesn't help her serve, I think, in her own head in in a way. But, yeah. you know, she she felt like she was very rushed on returns. Like the, the speeding up of everybody else's ball to her is really kind of the issue that she has to get adjusted to. So she felt like she, like Kudermatova was beating her on the t- return. She just couldn't get the rhythm on it. Um, so that was a little bit more worrisome. Right. So that's where you're like, well, I hope in the, the the week that you have that you can catch up to that. So. So, yeah, I mean, I think outside of that, I think that this is a pretty good draw for Caroline outside of the Brady third round. Um, I think that her quarter um, looks pretty doable, to be quite honest. Um, but, yeah, that Brady third round is is uh, is one to highlight if it happens. Yeah, yeah that, I agree. That's the one I look at. The, the other part of their their eighth of the draw uh, 13 seed Ali Risk down there, and then 17 seed Angelique Kerber, who we have not seen at all. I don't know what to make of that eighth at all. Kerber did not play Cincinnati. She was one of the rare players who would have qualified for Cincinnati by ranking, who did not come play Cincinnati early uh, in New York. So she's a late bubble joiner. Risk 
you would think she'd like Fast Corpse, and she should, although her results, the limited results have in 2020 have not been great for her. Uh, in the post-resumption 2020, I mean, because she was really good in January, um, at least in Brisbane. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I again, I kind of throw my hands up at that at the, that next eight. I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough eight to to call. And also, uh, Kerber opens up against Tomjanovich, who mm-hmm. was deal, who seemed to pick up a leg injury, I believe, in her uh, opening match loss in Cincinnati. So hopefully that uh, heals up. But that's definitely a first round match to circle if if Isla's um yeah. feeling a hundred percent. But the funny thing about Kerber is that when you when you mentioned that like you know like she didn't play Cincinnati and she's coming in cold, I, there was definitely more than a few people, myself included. I will totally cop to this who when angie kerber sent out the tweet of i've decided to come to new york i was like oh were you not <laughs> like i didn't <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that she wouldn't come to new york so it was like a very i don't know for some reason i just was either checked out of that news or whatever so so yeah that'll be very interesting she's reunited with torben belts mm-hmm. also an interesting move there but yeah i would think under normal circumstances that this would under normal situation, I would think, oh, my gosh, Ali Risk is going to make the U.S. Open quarters. Yeah. Possibly semi. Yeah. But I again, without data points, I can't say that. But that would be kind of my hunch looking at this quarter and seeing the court. And because it's it's not just quick, but it's low bouncing, which is right in Ali Risk's wheelhouse. And Kerber loves that, too. Classic Kerber loves. Yeah, the, that's a, true. A low bouncing fast court. So that could be a quality session. Again, I just don't have the data for either of them the second section of the top quarter of the draw i have even less thoughts on because <laughs> i think i think well, okay my thought is this is definitely the softest of the eight sections by a good distance it has numerically some lower seeds in it too eight martich's top and then 12 androsheva so those are two of the lower ones you could get on those ends actually the lowest you could get in terms of framing it and i don't know who else stands out here i mean Saznovich is unseated in here. She's been playing well, can, can like a fast court occasionally. Putinseva is 23rd seed. I don't think she's a fast court player. Mladenovic uh, is all over the place. I would never really bet on her per se, although who knows what she can do on a given week. You young wildcards who I enjoy, Baptiste and Montgomery, but they're unproven. This will be fun, but I think this is the real land of opportunity. This is the enviable spot to be in if you're if you're a floater, I think, this quarter. Because I don't I don't have a lot of faith in any of these four seeds on this kind of fast court. Yeah, I guess it yeah, if if you look at it from a court speed perspective, it's it's pretty it's pretty rough for those four seeds for sure. You know, I I I am a big fan of Vondrusheva's game. I think that it's great. I I haven't been as impressed as I would want to be with um, with what I've seen from her on the restart so far. But again, the way that this this section of the draw is is set up, it's, there's great opportunity to play into form. Um, I think that there are opportunities there. I mean, Vondrosheva opens against Greet Minen of Belgium. And then after that, either Francesca Di Lorenzo or Saznovich. So that's to get into, you know, the third round of the U.S. Open. That's you know, you t- you take you take mm-hmm. lesser lesser draws, and then Putintseva opens against youngster Robin Montgomery, American wild card, sixteen years old, uh, to play the winner of Golubich or Lapko. I mean, this is what we're looking at for a third round. And I think that these pockets, these these eighth pockets, or there's little pockets throughout the draw that really kind of underline to me, you know, the players that are not here. Yes, that that I where I was agree. like, where I was like, wait, how is how is this entire block? A block at a women's major 
I'm just not used to it, you know? Um, and this is one of those blocks where I was like, oh, yeah, right. Kiki Baritans isn't here and Belinda Bencic and a Barbara Stritseva and Svetlana Kuznetsova and, and Shea Suway and Ash Barty and Simona Halep and yeah. Bianca Andreescu, like whatever. And that's where you kind of felt like, you know, this draw would have been denser, obviously. And, and with even with around. the wild cards, like Ally Kick was many alternates of wild card from being an original right. set of wild cards. So like, yeah, this is where this is where it shows up, the sort of weaker field by rank by median ranking that we normally have at a grand slam I and it's very and also no qualifying yeah exactly and also no and qualifying so, and the right? thing with these so... players so it's not even like the lowering players have momentum per se because normally when you get a qualifier it's like well at least he or she is playing well you know and has momentum and is kind of an insurgent in the tournament a little bit like you don't get that now the player who's right. one ranked 140 yeah. is just kind of a 140 player and and you think about the players who would have played qualifying and had a chance to get through. I mean, you're talking about a Zvonareva. You're talking about maybe a Bouchard. You're talking just, you know, I mean, whether they would make it through or not. But those are two players who had actually great restarts mm-hmm. and, you know, aren't going to be in the main draw. So, yeah, it the combination of, of yeah, the, the, the breadth <laughs> or depth of the American wildcards in terms of how low that cutoff would end up being rankings wise and uh, combined with no qualifying so yeah no data points to say oh watch out for this qualifier who's like on a hot street and therefore that creating intrigue in a potential upset you take those two things out and it's yeah there are little pockets of, of the draw both on the men's and women's side but definitely on the women's side i felt like even more because yeah. it, it i'm just used to there being you know and, and there there are way more top 100 women missing than men also mm, the men yeah. had a higher turnout in terms of their top 100 for this tournament. Um, again, no judgment either way, <laughs> whether you want to play this tournament or not. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it's just those are the facts. There's more top 100 men on the men's side. Next quarter of the draw is the Naomi Osaka quarter. Naomi had a very eventful week, uh, made the final of the Western Southern Open, uh, notably prompted, or let, I think I think it's right to say sparked the tournament's decision to stop for a day, joining protests across all sorts of sports about continuing racial injustice and policing uh, with her decision that she wasn't going to play on Thursday and the tournament made a tournament-wide decision to pause and resumed on Friday. Anyway, but she pulled out of Saturday's final of the Western Southern Open with a hamstring injury. Is that correct? Correct. Left hamstring. Left hamstring. And giving the walkover to Azarenka for the title. And it's a short turnaround for Osaka. Is she played Monday or Tuesday? Do you know? She plays Monday night, second night match. Yeah, so they, she's night. gotten the late, the latest, the latest possible start, and 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 the hamstring injury is a is a concern. And um, anybody who watched her uh, semifinal match against Mertens saw it. I mean, yeah. it it was very obvious towards the end of that match. She started to grab it a little bit more and look in a bit of pain, and and so the withdrawal definitely wasn't wasn't a surprise um, completely. But definitely, she said, a little stressed going into the next 48 hours where she has to recover in time uh, to play Masaki Doi. Yeah. And I remember the one time, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Doi, maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was Nara. I forget. There was one match she also played against a Japanese player at some point in the last couple of years that she was like super, she seemed very mentally like tight about playing uh, a Japanese player. And so I think she's in a different mental space these days. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, hopefully. And, and, you know, I wanted to bring this up um, and I'll bring it up on, on the podcast because it just every time I tried to figure out a way to tweet this, I couldn't figure out how to way to do it without making it sound like 
it was something that it wasn't. But anyways, but yeah, but Naomi brought up a really good point in her press conference about ice baths. So she said that like, actually, you know, and and she made it clear. And this is why I just didn't want to tweet it because people were going to take this completely out of context. But like, made it clear, like, everybody has to deal with this. This is not specific to her, yada, yada. But because of COVID protocols, there are no ice baths on site Hmm. um, at the US Open. Uh, For her, she ice baths are a very integral part of her recovery, she says. And so she was like, you know, it hasn't been ideal for me, Naomi Osaka, because I don't, you know, this one thing that is a very meaningful part of my recovery is not available to me for this, for, you know, in Cincinnati and then going into the U.S. Open. So, you know, Victoria Azarenka was asked about it. She was like, I don't use ice baths, so it doesn't impact me. But I just do think that it's interesting and I was talking to somebody about it today who was like, look, I mean, men best of five and there's no ice baths. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, like this isn't a small thing, you know, like so I don't know. That was interesting. It never had occurred to me that the recovery situation would be so heavily impacted. But that's a significant one. Like think about the U.S. Open, like how much of like the Instagram content from players is like. It's me and Dominic team in an ice pack next together. Like, <laughs> thumbs up, guys. You know, we've seen those. We all, we, uh, we've all seen them. Absolutely the guy to pick there. Good work. <laughs> Him and like Benito in an ice bath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Uh, so. I, yeah, I agree with that. I will say Osaka has staying at a private home. And also other players, You could, I bet every hotel room has a tub too. If you wanted to do it at oh, your yeah, apartment, you could. For sure. It's But that's not the point, right? It's I routine mean, if, disruption if, if, though. No, it's not that either. I mean, there's a difference between being able to do an ice bath immediately after your match and having to do your ice bath after you have to do obviously your cool down, do all your press, get into the car or bus and go all the way back to your hotel or the house. Like, I'm no doctor, but I think that like physiologically, those are two very different situations to be taking an ice bath, you know? So yes, obviously, I mean, I've stay at player hotels and I've seen players like physios just like sheepishly taking ice bucket after ice bucket to, to like make makeshift ice baths in the bathtub for some players at, at tournaments. But yeah, this is definitely a little bit different. So Osaka after Dory gets Camilla Georgie, uh, who could be a very dangerous fast court player or Van Oytfank. And then third round, I think a lot of people would circle her possibility of playing Coco Goff in the third round of this tournament again, after beating Goff uh, pretty easily in the third round here of in New York. I'm not, not that we're in New York. There in New York last year. Uh, usually we're in the place where we're doing the draw show from. We're not this time. And, uh, or, or Sevastava. Goff beat, then beat Osaka in the third round of this year's Australian Open. So they're one and one. Uh, but then Goff has a tough first round against Sevastava, who's been a very good US Open player this decade or last decade i guess so tricky golf has been i think pretty pretty solid i mean she made semifinals of lexington uh lost first round to sakari in in cincinnati but not a bad loss even if she seemed unhappy with it so yeah this, that's this is a tough little section for sure especially compared to this the whole marditch section above it yeah no it, it's 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 a definitely tricky one because obviously Kasatkina's in there and who's not playing great but you know what yeah. she's capable of on any given day also marta kostiuk the talented young ukrainian the og Corey goff as it were um but uh <laughs> but yeah she uh she's also floating in that little section as well so you know definitely could be easier for coco goff i yeah it's a wait and see i i agree with you i think that she looked she looked pretty good in lexington there's still a few little things i mean she's double faulting a lot the mm-hmm. last two weeks which she says is more mental than technical 
But yeah, she has put in near double digit double faults in in almost all her matches. And the two matches that she did pull out in three sets that were impressive uh, against Ons Jabor and uh, Arena Sabalenka, a lot of that was a little bit on Ons and Arena <laughs> um, and their inability to close those matches out um, and getting a little bit tight and stuff like that. But that is to say, like, Coco Goff doesn't have those moments. I mean, she's an incredibly tough out. She looked a bit listless against Sakari, um, Sakari, sorry, in the first uh, round of, of Cincinnati. Yeah, kind of seemed like she was going through the motions a little bit. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't know if I'm ready for another third round Naomi Coco situation. It's a lot. But uh, but we will see. I'm sure the tournament would love it. Oh, no doubt. The rest of the section, Contivate, and that Contivate is the 14th seed, bounces out. She played Osaka in the quarters, was it, of Cincy? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, and, and lost her in a tough three-setter there. Uh, Magda Lynette is the other seed in this other eight-person section, 24 seed. Contivate opens against Daniel Collins, which is not easy, but I would expect Contivate to get through and Lynette to get through and for Contivate to make the fourth round. Yeah, this is a big event for Annette Contivate, for sure. She's playing incredibly well on the restart. Probably her and Elisa Mertens are probably the two players that have really put out some statements, Mm -hmm. you know, because they've just played week in, week out, match to match, like great, and really haven't put in bad matches to lose. So um, Contivate obviously started her restart uh, making the final in Palermo, losing to Fiona Farrow, uh, and then makes the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open and and really could have been either way um, in that uh, in that quarterfinal against Naomi. Um, and then uh, Mertens, you know, Prague final, and then turns around and somehow makes the adjustments real fast to, to play on a quick hard court here and make the semifinals. So those are my two players that I'm definitely looking for. And, and it would be really, really disappointing for Contivate to be playing so well and kind of have the draw that she has and at least not make the round of 16, which at least there she could potentially play Osaka. But I mean, I don't know the way that she's playing and with the, the, the injury doubts with Naomi, I really, I really see Contivate making quarters, possibly semis here. Oh, wow. Okay. Ahead of more likely than Osaka, you think? I just don't know with Naomi, with the, with the leg, obviously, um, you know, she'll have days off between, which I think is massive. And Naomi has always played better at events where she has days off um, than when she like she won India Wells, for example. So, yeah. So that might be a little bit something to keep an eye on. But I, I yeah, I just don't know. And I'm just really impressed with Contivate. I think that she's playing well within herself. I don't think that she's redlining and she's playing much more aggressively. So, yeah, I mean, if they get a rematch, I think that Contivate learned a lot in that quarterfinal that she can she can apply to to get that win if it happens but i just don't i just don't know if that win that match is going to happen i'm i guess i'm a little bit nervous about the about the hammy sure i get that this fourth section of the top half here the kvitova section is a lot of fun for me we'll start with the upper section uh the 11 seed just based on top of the draw elena rabakina opens against zavatska and then gets kromacheva or Rogers and then maybe um, Yastrzemska or Sharma. I just, I don't know. Yastrzemska, Sharma seems fun. And Yastrzemska is one of those dangerous floaters, or I think she's still in a kind of floatery range, I feel like being 19, not quite a top 10 player or anything yet. I mean, she's shown potential to push a lot of good players in matches. She hasn't been winning all those matches at Grand Slam necessarily. But the one thing we can be assured of, Courtney, is that no matter what happens, she will have been the better player on court. Right. I didn't know where you were going to go with that one. I'm glad that you landed where you did, as opposed to the many other avenues that you could have taken. Oh, there's um, but so yes. many. <laughs> like, there's a lot. I appreciate. I appreciate very much. To be clear, 
be often problematic, but always entertaining <laughs> a lotness of Diana Yashemska, which is ultimately, I feel like, usually pretty harmless and just entertaining. She's just very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, so, I mean, like, she... I mean, draw-wise... Draw as I attempt to pivot away, <laughs> sure. But uh, but draw wise, um, she she's Panko, no. I mean, she's she's, she's more reliable. She's, Panko, Panko did her. She's thing a more like for twice. sure. She, yeah. She's more reliable than Panko, but but she is that in the draw or like a Georgie, just somebody like ooh, yeah, yeah. Don't want to don't want to play that person, like you know, and because she she is remarkably good and she's getting better. You know, there always just seems to be something that follows her around, which. Hopefully she addresses at some point in terms of just like, yeah, it doesn't have to be this complicated. It could be the, it could be a lot more simple. Like you know, it's cool. Don't, I don't worry know. about I it. I just I just don't feel like simplicity is her vibe. I just don't. I feel like she has this like real Bravo reality vibe about her that's just like always making something out of anything. But as you said though, and in, in which I a hundred and ten percent agree, it's harmless for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so. I know that that for many. There is probably one match where perceived hijinks were could probably be argued were like not harmless because it was a final. Oh, the Huahin final for sure. Yeah, yes, the, the Huahin yeah, final. I think sure. a lot of people still. I mean, I still get texts from people like <laughs> when there are medical timeouts yeah. <laughs> that just I, people who don't text me normally and they just they text and they're mad and okay, you have a right to be and it's always it's always like you know oh. Like, just like, just like against Tomjanovic. Like, okay. Weirdly, I don't know why this, people remember that Joaquin final more than they remember most WTA finals or slam finals. Oh, yeah. And I don't even, I don't even, I don't even remember that many people watching it, but <laughs> okay. But yeah, that section of the draw, very, very interesting. I really, really, really would love for Rybakina to summon her magic again. Yeah. I don't think that she played that poorly against uh, Alexandrova in her first round Cincy, lost it in two very tight sets. She said that she just kind of had trouble keeping her focus but otherwise it was just lovely to see the strokes again and to see her just casually hit the ballistics off the ball um and i would love to see her versus petra in the round of 16 yeah. i would love to see that match but that second round potential second round against shelby rogers is one to, to circle yeah. i think that shelby can obviously pull the upset there shelby who beat we haven't recorded since shelby beat serena i don't think we've recorded since shelby beat serena in lexington right just to footnote yep. that i I I feel like Rebecca, and a great match from Shelby, by the way. Yeah, like I, I feel don't like take she, anything. It wasn't Serena at her best, although I don't think it was Serena at her worst either. But we'll get to um, Serena. That we'll was Serena. That was a yeah. really good match from Shelby. Like really good. I feel like missing again. Whatever ambivalence about tennis not being around in twenty twenty, I have like Rebecca is someone who I would have really enjoyed watching the past eight months had we had continu continuous tennis. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that she can pick up where she left off because her, her start was amazing. And I think still pretty underappreciated. Like she didn't really have yeah. the, the mass, the big run at a grand slam or a and big tournament even. We were thinking, were yeah. And it was looking like she would have that at Indian Wells, Miami. Mm -hmm, exactly. Like at least for me as a WTA writer and as like, you know, propping up stories to, you know, kind of greasing the wheel, like getting people excited about something that might happen and then they can take over, but like, like writers, but Rabakina was the one I was just like, I mean, I was a crack dealer, man. I was just like, take it, take it, take it, take it. Like, please, like, like you don't understand. Like this girl is so good. She's really, really charming. I think impressed, very articulate. Uh, so yeah, so I really hope that she gets her stage to to show off. And I don't know, I, it would be lovely if that were here. I just, it would just really, really bother me if like 
the pandemic took all of the the wind out over sales. That would bum me out a lot. We were talking about uh, Petra. Petra lost her first match in Cincinnati, but we were both really excited for her because <laughs> yeah. uh, she lost to Boskova, but she, the courts are so fast. We're like, she's going to love this. And so we'll see. I mean, that should make sense on paper. Boskova looms actually one of the circleable first round matches for sure, even though neither is seated, is Boskova versus Jesse Pagula. Pagula has also had a really, really good restart. Yeah. Uh, pulled off some... I hated seeing those two draw each other. I know. Again, these are like, if either of them, especially Pagula, was in that second section, I'd be like, Pagula's mm. making quarters. But like... Like swap Pagula and like Robin Montgomery. Totally. Exactly. You've got something there. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so Pagula, this is a tough section for Pagula and Boskova. One of them will play Petra probably, or Rebecca Peterson, I guess, but really I'm circling those two to get could have a third round. It's tricky. This is a, not an easy section for Petra. Again, lower matches. We'll see. This is part of why, again, I, I, this is one of those sections where, like, I'm going to say all those things, and I, I don't feel like expounding further because I just don't know. Like, I just, with Petra, yeah. I don't know. I don't have Petra data. Like, I can tell you on paper she should be good, but can I intuit further than that right now? Like, no. Like, if I was a tennis well, professional I, gambler, yeah. I would not be betting much on anything right now. Petra on paper is a very different yes. career arc than, than Petra in reality. And, you know, but, but definitely watching the first 90 minutes of her match against Bozkova was one of those like from a league of their own when tom cruise is like we're gonna win we're gonna win like when yeah like when um uh, gina davis like snaps sass at him um it was that it's just like oh my gosh this quick court and she's already striking it pretty darn good and um she's gonna only get better like this is Petra can do something here. So that's my instinct. But I mean, a first round match against Begu is not easy. Hopefully Begu's blisters have healed since um, since Prague because that was a brutal tournament for her. Mm. So hopefully like she had she was basically playing like double days um, because of rain delays and having to come back to finish matches. And then against Halep, basically her hand broke open. Yeah, I would think <laughs> um, she'd be she could, fine like, with two weeks. Hope. I hope so. I hope so. So, but um, but yeah, that's not necessarily an easy first round given the no. easier first rounds Petra could have had. But Petra's a draw yeah, loser definitely, for sure. I think so. Yeah, I think because definitely circle that match, third round match against either Bojkova Pagula. If it's not one of those two, that will be a huge surprise. Mm -hmm. And then past that, I like her to the quarterfinals. Yeah, and also obviously take a keep your eye on the forecast. Because I think that a lot of what happened to Petra against Bozkova was the heat. And yeah. she was playing first or second match on. And it was one of those really hot and steamy days. And she was just like, boom, sun hit me, done. So, but for the first 90 minutes, incredible tennis. I will say in terms of just even for our own purposes for this podcast, for long range planning, we're going to be doing more shows during the US Open than usual. It's my goal for obviously being home, having a little more time to fuss around podcasts. Although like, not that I'm not busy in this current scenario, but anyway, yes, yeah, so doing, doing more. So we'll check back in with our with our heroes and heroines or sheroes, as Billie Jean King would say, as, as we progress here. Did I ever tell you that on the WTA website internally, the web team, we, you know, the website has that big section at the top that has like a larger photo with the larger, like it's the highlighted stories, mm -hmm. but that we call it the Shiro. That's nice. Yeah. Instead of like, because usually people call it the hero image right. or whatever. So we call it the Shiro uh, and it's verbed. So, hey, can you Shiro that? Uh, go ahead and social that and Shiro it. Love Billy Jean That's King. how, that's how, Lexicon. that's how hard we roll. That's how, that's how hard we roll. Never expected anything less. All right. Bottom half of this draw. This first part, we're going to get to the keys, Muguruza part. I have no real takes on these players. I will just say straight up. Although the one thing that really jumps out at me here is seeing Svetlana Barankova back. I did not know she was coming back. I'm excited for that. 
protected ranking <laughs> Svetlana Parankova. Okay. You gotta love that she comes back and she's like, oh, the court's like this now? Yeah, like, I, like <laughs> honestly, if someone offered me, like, incredible odds to, like, bet on, like, Parankova winning the tournament, I'd be like, you know what, sure. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> yeah. thousand to one, absolutely. Here's my $10. Give me your 10000 back or whatever. Like, this tournament feels so odd that, like, Parankova being here just feels like a, I don't know, I, I, I really hone in on that name in this section, which is stupid of me because she hasn't played in God knows how long. I Who, who stands out to you here, Courtney? Because I really have no meaningful analysis of these players. This is one of those instances where I am backing a player because there is zero data to tell me not to. Okay. And so for me, it's Garbinia. Okay. <laughs> um, to to make it out of here and, and make the quarters. It's is this is her worst slam. I mean, and that's not just because it's the only slam that she hasn't made a final of, which is a crazy stat mm-hmm. in its own way, but also that it's the only. F- um, one that I don't think she hasn't made the quarters of or made it past the quarters. So it's one of those two. Definitely not semi specifically. Here for her. Um, yeah, no semi, but she might have made the quarters once, but if not, definitely not past the round of 16. Um, but, you know, she's been back uh, training in Geneva with her full team with Conchi. She pulled out of Cincinnati citing a ankle injury. So that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. But I like her draw despite having to potentially play future U.S. Open 2020 champs Fatana Parankova Thank in the you. second round. Yeah. Outside of that, I like Outside her draw. That, it's, it's a good draw. And and it's and it's also just, you know, the question marks surrounding the players that the seated players that are in the section. So Madison Key's error strewn performance uh, against a very good opponent, Owens Jabor, uh, to lose in the first round of Cincinnati. But something to circle there and to keep an eye on. She could play Jill Teichman mm-hmm. in the second round, which I think, I mean, I was so impressed with Teichman in, in Lexington. Um, and did Ben, did you ever hear, did, I don't know if you keyed in on it or not, but hear why Teichman was in Lexington as opposed to playing Palermo or Prague? Right. Be- wasn't she defending champion? At the, yeah. At those, so, yeah. This was so savvy. basically, yeah, this was super savvy and it absolutely play- paid off. So Jill Teichman is defending champion of Palermo and Prague. She's training in Barcelona with her team preparing to play clay. Then when the new rankings come out and it turns out you know, it's the better of system. So basically with the rankings restarting what both on the WT and the ATP tour are using a system where like you get to keep the better uh, result at a tournament until that tournament comes around again. So in other words, as the champion of Palermo and Prague, Jill Teichman couldn't earn points. She also couldn't lose points. Because she was the champion. Yeah. That was the best result that could happen. So despite being much more comfortable on clay, she and her team decide last minute, we're going to Lexington because I can get points in Lexington. She goes there. She makes the the final. Yeah. Loses to Jen Brady. Played a great tournament. Built some uh, confidence on hard court. So, and I was really impressed by how she played. So that potential second round against Madison Keys circled that one. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Keys is one of those players, again, who on paper makes sense. I just don't have the data for her right now yeah but on paper too maddie shows up at slams that's also true and you know, us open especially she's been very consistent yeah she's been very consistent so you know i would i don't take too much out of her her loss to uh to on shabor which is a tough matchup for her anyway but a little bit the speed of the court worries me just a touch for her in the same way that it worries me for pliskova sure just in terms of it rushing her own strokes yeah um so yeah Next section, we get to talk about Serena Williams, who is the number three seed here at this tournament, uh, getting bumped up with a bunch of players above her pulling out. Serena opens against Christy Ahn. And the potential fourth round with the 15th seed is Maria Sakkari. You're saying Sakkari? Is that how we're saying it now? 
Sakri. That's how she says it, not we. That's how she says it. Okay. You know this from the chants, from the Greek chants in Melbourne. Maria Sakari, ole, ole, ole. Yeah, that's ole. true. Okay. okay. Sakari, like the sport. It's like it's like footballish. Sakari, you know. Yeah, okay, I can get that. It's Sakari. There you yeah. go. You got it. Nailed it. All right. Yeah. So there's Maria. Serena is not given us clear reasons for confidence. Let's say in the two tournaments she's played, Lexington and Cincinnati, every match she's played has gone three sets. Every match has been a battle, uh, which is not like her. And I think she can switch it on for a slam, although I do worry that her confidence is going to be lower from having been relatively unconvincing during this stretch. Um, I like her draw. I think her first couple rounds, Christiane, I haven't seen play, but I feel like it should be a comfortable match for Serena. And then her seed, her first seed she plays, 26 Sloan Stevens, who's been disastrous this year results-wise, before and after the stoppage. So I like her draw to the fourth round, and hope maybe by then she gets the momentum. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure Serena deserves to be favored for this tournament right now. Like, she default always is, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I she was – she. if you watched her press conference after her um, loss to Zachary, like, you would definitely not have much confidence in her because it didn't sound like she had much confidence in herself. Um, and I know that that's not the case. I know that it's a lot of it's because she is a professional and she's a perfectionist and she was frustrated with all that. That final set against Sakari was quizzical. I honestly haven't seen anything like that um, from Serena. I've definitely seen it from other people mm -hmm. on the ATP tour, yeah. but I hadn't seen it from Serena. <laughs> yeah, so so that was a little bit quizzical. You know, you you wonder a little bit about the, the physicality. It, it became a talking point from her, you know, that that couple of days. But because she had that long, the longest match she's played in eight years was the day before against uh, Aronska Rus. Rus, yes, that's how it's pronounced. So that was something, and obviously the recovery was tough to turn around, have to play Sakari that night. But um, and she won't obviously have to do those back to backs. Um, at uh right although actually that's not true though is it because she she doesn't play on monday she plays on tuesday she'd have to go back to back between quarters and semis quarters and semis yeah, yeah that's only yeah. once so there's gonna be i know but it's it's weird i mean i really i genuinely thought the bottom half of the women's was going to play on monday because obviously bianca's defending champion but she's not here so wouldn't it be serena and wouldn't serena well i think defending champion is on... only a consideration for wimbledon and that's the only place i care about that yeah but i just felt like it was a pretty good not excuse that's not the word i'm gonna say but like justification for putting bottom half on monday and then then if you put bottom half monday then serena doesn't have to play back-to-backs ever no but i think that there were more players from the semis of cincinnati oh yeah the that's true half. this is true so to give them the rest right, yeah yeah the extra rest yeah okay that's fair yeah. i just yeah i could have gone either way for me. Yeah. But you're right. N saying that, it's fair. I like to draw for Serena a bunch, you know, really to the semis if she's good. If she's playing well, I like this draw. If she's not... Muguruza quarter? I, again, if Serena's playing well, well enough to get to the quarters, my I think her confidence in herself and my confidence in her, both of which I'm sure <laughs> are equally important to her, will will go up. Yeah, I I, I, well, I think she yeah. needs easy wins. I think she needs to start. I think like I'm like a little scared for Christiane because I feel like Serena will want to go out there like really going for bakery products. Oh, for sure. And and Christy's not fully. I talked to her for a long time in Lexington and she said and it, it was an interesting discussion because it made me realize and remember that like, you know, these players 
all of their quarantines were different. Yeah, we talked about this in the last show with Christy, yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah, with Christy, you know, she wasn't able to train until pretty late uh, given the the quarantine restrictions in, in New Jersey and... Um, and she wasn't really sure she'd even be ready for Lexington. She had to pull out, I think, of a match definitely for um, injury. So there's concern there a little bit from her in terms of, of being, I guess, a little bit behind the eight ball and underprepared, which is just such a bummer. I was really heartbroken for Christy that she drew Serena in the first round, yeah. just, you know, 12 months on from being, you know, the Cinderella story in Flushing Meadows to have to play Serena first round. But yeah, I mean, it's this is a draw where... At least for the first, I mean, at least for the first two rounds, she shouldn't be going three sets, Serena. Yeah, I agree. So at least she can break that duck. Um, and then from there, play play on and, and play and, and maybe figure things out. But, you know, Sloan, yes, her form hasn't been there, but you just never know what she, she brings at any given day. And possibly against Sakari again, round of 16, maybe in Nisimova, although Nisimova hasn't been great. So... If it's Sakari, Serena, again, round of 16, I think that'll be very, very interesting. But I don't know. I There's something about the quest for 24 and the way that it hasn't gone well at the last few majors mm-hmm. that makes me think that a Serena having to scrap her way through might be the Serena that wins the whole thing. Not the Serena that's like, oh, man, she almost, she double bageled Wang Shang. Like, you know, and then like, yeah, you know, oh, she dominated, you know, uh, Svitolina. And then, you know, the, it, this keeps happening at, at slams where she's an absolute lawnmower through it and shows incredible dominance. And and then the first sign of resistance comes and, and not first, but a significant amount of resistance comes and she doesn't necessarily deal with it well. So I really do feel like these three set matches and being tested and maybe that little piece of insecurity, maybe that's what gets her through it. Maybe. I think she's the biggest loser in terms of not having the crowd here, though. I think the crowd does Serena. Yeah, help. I agree with that. I mean, well, yes, mostly I think they do add pressure to her in these finals in, in certain ways because um, you can kind of hear their desperation when things are going badly for her in one of these matches where that probably doesn't help Serena totally. But they also do a lot to, I think, create the Serena aura. And I feel like that's the main thing that I think is questionable for this tournament. But again, I think the first week draw is pretty kind to her. And so I think she can get that back. If she can, If she can get through that first week, in a with complete like conserving of energy and really perfunctory wins and just kind of feel a little bit more stable on her feet like okay I'm good like it's fine then yeah second week is a total you know she becomes she starts to move towards the front of the pack more than than maybe she is at the start of the tournament yeah although saying that especially with Osaka's injury I don't know you can probably hear Betty having absolute conniptions about something I don't know what she's doing it's okay Oh, fat Betty, burn a burn. Oh, fat Betty, burn a burn. <laughs> Does want more ice cream? Burn, burn. The next bottom quarter of the draw, this top part of the bottom quarter of the draw, has some very interesting names in it. Uh, starting with Victoria Azarenka, who is the Cincinnati champion. This run in Cincinnati, I gotta say, came kind of out of nowhere for Vika, who had really, I think, was losing her dangerous floater status to a fair extent. I think she had, on paper, she's been good, but I feel like she had not really, as much as she's been a match to circle, she had not really made good on many of those circlings in recent years in terms of actually getting the upsets when she was unseated. And yet at this tournament, starting with the win over Vekic and working her way through the draw all the way to beating Kant in the semis before getting her walkover, Azarenka, you know, looked like the Azarenka of old. She had this sort of swagger back that's been missing on court and off. And I, I, it's a really interesting time for her. And it's a really interesting draw for her getting 
I think Barbara Hoth is a really easy first round, I assume. And then getting Sabalenka second round is, I think, who she lost to for, uh, the US Open last year, I believe, Sabalenka. But this time, yeah. Azarenka should go in there with a ton of belief and a ton of, um, you know, tailwind. And I think she can really make some some noise all in this section all the way through potentially getting Kanta again in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for Vika, very happy for Vika. I think that... You know, there's a part of me that just didn't want to do more, you know, get ex get pump up Vika and then, you know, a, yet another loss, you know, which has obviously been been the situation the last 12 months for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, she played great tennis and she beat great players. I mean, she did not, quote unquote, vulture her way to that title no. in any way, shape or form. I mean, to to beat Ons. And, and one of the things that really stood out to me with Vika's run in Cincy and why I think that she's really set up well for the U.S. Open is that what the matches that Vika was losing the last 12 months, even before that, were really, really tight matches or matches where she won the first set and then collapsed or couldn't serve something out and then a set or, or a match and then the, the other player came back. Um, and what she showed in Cincinnati was the exact opposite. I mean, there was two extended tie breaks when she played against Caroline Garcia and one she played against Ons Jabor that she won. And these were like long, like, you know, well past 7-7 seven, seven tie breaks. Uh, there was a tight 7-5 set that she that she came out good on. These weren't, I mean, she only dropped one set in Cincy, but, um, and that was to Kanta in the semifinals and then bounced back and won the next two. But it she, ha she faced, I think, some resistance and adversity in those matches. And she didn't always come through in that moment. Like, I think a couple of times she was definitely broken when she served for the match or the set. But she bounced back quickly and just kind of kept going through plodding through it and was able to pull them out. So I, that was what I was really impressed with, with Vika. Um, not almost less so the result of winning the title, but just the way that she managed those matches and didn't let them slip out of her hands was, was really impressive. So yeah, I, I really like this section for her. I think Sabalenka will be, you know, the battle of Belarus in the second, the second week. And who knows? I mean, I don't think Sabalenka is playing poorly, uh, on the restart either. Mm. So, you know, that'll be potentially interesting. And then, you know, the other seed in that section is Kudermetova, which, I mean, who's playing great ball, but a player that I think Vika would be able to potentially solve. But um, I'm really big on the, the Russian as well. I think she's just improving and improving as each week goes on. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 not a bad draw. It'll be an interesting one. I would definitely be tracking Vika yeah. through this section. The, the thing I would say in Vika, just in summary, is I really felt like in Cincinnati this week, Vika like got her edge back. You know, there was an edge to her that has been kind of missing for me in recent Well, you years. certainly saw that. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, people getting all upset about that Twitter, that exchange in Trust, which, by the way, took like 20 seconds. <laughs> it was like eight lines of the thing to emerge. It was not a prolonged interrogation haranguing. Uh, yeah, as but, but I was honestly like, that made me kind of think like, oh, wow, Vika's back. Because when Vika was at her best, circa 2012, 2013, she had a lot of bite to her in press. And, you know, so seeing... A little bit more combativeness from her there, while not especially fun from a you know collegial sense of the thing, was making me think like, oh wow, okay, Vika's like, she's starting to feel something again, and that and that got me excited for her for, from an encore perspective. So yeah, I mean, there, I think there's something to that. I mean, setting aside your back and forth with Vika, which, but even setting aside that, I think that it was a little bit of a a kind of throwback to the Vika who was wanted to be in control of her own narrative. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen, unfortunately, and, and probably rightfully so with Vika, you know, the last couple of years um, since she returned from from um, 
having Leo was a little bit of, of kind of a woe is me vibe to to her. Mm. Um, why are my, her draws were always terrible. Obviously, a lot of extenuating circumstances that always kind of put her um, that she had to kind of defend, you know, um, and deal with custody disputes, things like that. Um, and so there was a lot of kind of and understandably so sense with her of just kind of like, why is this all happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? It's got to turn around at some point. A lot of just kind of like I need divine intervention to fix this, you know, I think that what you what I heard a lot in her press conferences this week um, was was a taking back of the narrative that that Vika from 2011, 2012, 2013, that would like reject every premise to every question. Like, like Vika, it was so hot out there today and you played so well. Was it that hot? Did I play well? Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, it was 90 degrees and you won two and one, you know? So, yeah. And, and so that I, I definitely agree with. I think that, that there was a little bit, I interpret it a little bit differently, like that it is kind of her like getting back into the driver's seat in a way, uh-huh. which, yeah, translates on court. I think that it does give some sort of sense into her psyche. Yes. The other player who I want to mention here in this section, Kanta made semis. Don't have much to say about her, honestly. She played well. Uh, but Venus Williams, 40-year-old Venus Williams. I feel like when you reach a certain age, it's like like 15-year-old Coco Golf was last year. You have to say their, name, their age every time you say their name. 40-year-old Venus Williams. She's been playing really good tennis during this resumption. Really rebuilt herself well. The first round against Mukova is a match that I wish both of them could make the second round. It's not a match I'm looking forward to for that reason, because I don't want to lose one of them so early in the tournament. But uh, yeah, shout out to Venus Williams, who I think absolutely can beat a Mukova and can beat a Kanta. And, you know, and has a really good record against Azarenka, including as recently as Lexington. So I'm not ruling out a, a sort of Cinderella run for, for Venus here. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, I think that, you know, she got everyone very excited by the way that she played against Vika mm-hmm. in Lexington and then the way that obviously she played against Serena. You know, again, data points, right? That's one event. Those were two matches. She lost her opening round in Cincy. Yeah, so Yashremska, but it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yes. Oh, right. That's, oh, yes, that that match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thing, things were happening there. Look, Yashremska is very much... <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, you're right. She did. She Venus did. Play, she was in a position to win that match in straight sets, if I recall. So yeah, so Venus, it would be amazing to see her get a get a surge here. And I would really highly recommend it. It'll be, I think, the second night match or first night match on Ash on Tuesday will be Venus and Mukova and first night match. Uh, and I would highly recommend everybody tune in because I think that it'll be a really fun match if if Mukova is going to try and get herself to the net. Hopefully Venus responds accordingly. And uh, it'll be a really, really fun women's match, I think. Um, and yeah, like you said, I'm really bummed they both drew each other because I'm real high on Carolina Mukova as well. And I don't want to see her go out in the first round. And I don't want to see Venus go out in the first round. So actually, maybe I won't watch that match because it will be torturous. On that note, let's move to the final section of this women's draw, which features Belgians, including Elisa Mertens, uh, the 16 seed recent semifinalists in Cincinnati, going up against Laura Siegemann to start, but most notably, possibly in the third round, Kim Kleisters, her fellow Belgian, who's on a comeback here. Kleisters uh, pulled out of Cincinnati with a stomach muscle issue, but said she's feeling much better in her press today. She opens against Alexandrova, a uh, tough opening match for her, the 21 seed at Katarina Alexandrova possibly McNally seconds. They're not easy draws, but if Kim plays like she was able to in World Team Tennis, I think she can make mm, it to the third round yeah. without much problem because she, I know those were limited format matches, but she looked really good. So 
I'm excited yeah. for Kleister to get to that Mertens match and then to see what unfolds there. <laughs> I think all of Belgian Belgium might implode and and Justine's phone will be ringing off the hook. It'll be it'll be epic um, if that third rounder happens, especially because Elise Mertens trains at the Kleister's Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one there. Uh, yeah, um, I I hope for Kim that this turns out well. I hope that she's able to put on display, you know, the the tennis that that we want to see from her um, that she's been able to summon in the past in New York. Um, I think, yeah, Alexandrova, really tough, tough opener, um, just playing pretty rock solid tennis these days. But I think that one of the things that Kim really benefits from, and I remember thinking this even back like in Dubai when she played Muguruza, right, um, that Kim still plays in a way that none of these young players have ever played against. Nope just the way that she plays. And so I feel like a lot of these young players will panic when Kim starts like, you know, ripping that ball the way that she's able to rip it and also defending. And um, there's just, you can tell when you watch the patterns, you're like the patterns and the way that Kim Kleister's plays is not the pattern and play style of today's game. Um, So that'll be really, really interesting. And she has young players that she'll be playing against, you know, before she gets to Americans. So Alexandrova is one, potentially a McNally, Kuzma, Kuzma. These are all like, you know, sub 24 year old mm-hmm. players. So Mertens that I think is either. a very interesting yeah. one. Yeah. Mertens isn't old, but obviously very experienced and probably has hit with Kim yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the Academy and stuff coming up. So yeah. So that's a little bit different, but, but yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what, what Kim's br- Kim brings to the table. It's nice having her back around, like sitting through her press conference today. I was like, oh man, it was it's just great. lovely. And she's like, it was just lovely. She's so the word I used in our group chat, I think, is she's so like ambassadorial. She has this like yeah. very like elder statesman, very adult thing that she brings right now in this in this way that we just like this maturity level. And someone's been out of the sport a lot. I think you do mature much faster when you're off the tour than when you're on the tour as a human. The tour can be kind of an arrested development in a lot of ways. And yeah, I think that Kim just has that. And that's uh that was that was cool to see. Um and the section the Bottom half of the section I like too. I mean, Sophia Kennan, aka Sonia Kennan, uh, down there as a number two seed, possibly facing third round Angevar, who's had a, a fun restart, continuing to be a relevant player in 2020. Um, I w- Kennan, Kennan was not sharp in her resumption, losing to Cornet uh, after having been pretty. 58 unforced errors in two sets, Kennan. It was bad. But Kennan is somebody who, you know, Will I feel I feel like will be a lot about nerves, but I do think her first run against Wickmeyer is pretty handy. Wickmeyer one of the last players to get in direct here. Wickmeyer, and uh, yeah, and then I Kennan is Kennan's for me like one of the biggest question mark players, right? Because if we get the Kennan of, sure. of Melbourne, like absolutely she can win this tournament. She can also lose to Wickmeyer if she's at her worst. So like the especially with this draw, the os- I mean like yeah, she's... the oscillation is this... huge for for Kennan for me. Yeah. Being in this bottom half, obviously Serena is floating around here, but at the same time, like, you know, if Serena doesn't make it that far, or even if it is a semifinal, Sonia's beaten her at a slam before, uh, you never know. But yeah, it, I was the only person that was as surprised or arguably more surprised uh, with how poorly she played in that opener in Cincinnati was than I was that is Sonia like that performance just completely blindsided her I felt really bad for her I don't think that she really saw that coming the way that she was practicing and she's been practicing hard and has spent her her um her quarantine hitting almost daily with Magda Lynette pretty good in you know world team tennis and the Charleston exhibition like no cause for concern is healthy all that and 
yeah, against Cornet to hit 58 unforced errors. And she nearly got bageled in that first set. So we're not talking like this was like 7-6-7-6. Like there were tons of games to make errors. Like it, she just could not find the court at all. Um, And yeah, she uh, well, she didn't say it was nerves, but that's the only way that you can really chalk it up. And the nerves would be understandable. Uh, oh, completely. Totally understandable. Completely. Especially for a player like that. You know, she's got the American flag on her racket and she's this is her first time playing a, an event uh, on home soil since he since. Uh, since winning uh, the Australian Open. So there's a lot riding on her shoulders. I'm a little bit concerned about how she deals with that. Um, and I think that that second round match against either Vera Zvonareva, who is in the tournament, sorry, for some reason I thought that she wasn't, but Vera Zvonareva and Layla Fernandez. I think Layla Fernandez is a is a danger there yeah. in a big way. I think that Layla can absolutely probably uh, beat Kennan if Kennan's not at her best. Yeah, I, I don't know. That second round match against either of those two, I think, is is a tough one. And then obviously Ons Jabor in the third round. Yeah. Um, you would rather draw a lot of other players in that third round than Ons. So that is our draw. That is the women's draw. Uh, we will keep you posted on how it unfolds throughout these two weeks. It's one of those tournaments where, again, like I, my confidence interval is so poor that I, I just... I feel you. I don't I know what ya. to say. Um Dudes, dudes also play tennis, or do they anymore? Um, will they get to in the future? These are questions we'll find out as the ATP tour unfolds oh or unravels. As the tour turns. <laughs> right at the top of the draw is Novak Djokovic. I'm guessing, Courtney, you don't want to talk about the tennis players, tennis association for tennis or whatever it's called. I mean, I don't. Professional I tennis talk players. About it. Sorry, let me say this right. Professional Tennis Players Association, PTPA, or as I like to pronounce it, Shut up. That was so bad. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm just getting all of the laughters about all of it out. <laughs> Not Have your catharsis you. moment, Courtney. Let, let the pat out. <laughs> No, but the thing is, the other thing I'm thinking is like, because I keep getting the order of the letters wrong. So now I'll never get the order of the letters wrong because I will always think of that yes. noise you that go. you made. <laughs> um, No, I mean, like, I, I don't, honestly, I don't have a problem talking about the Patipa, but <laughs> I also <laughs> don't understand it. Like, I don't get it. I mean, I... I think I've made that clear in our group chats. Like I, I don't even know where to begin because I don't understand what exactly is being demanded, what exactly is being associated, what exactly players are subtweeting. I don't, I don't get it. All I know is that Andy Murray said he wasn't going to sign on unless the women were included. That's all I need to know. I saw you. I saw you in that Andy Murray Zoom. <laughs> I saw you there. I was. I wandered in. Just I funny. Just was, just I was. Funny. I was Zoom bombing and I just landed in that press conference. So like, oh, is this, I thought this was the bathroom. I'm sorry. I'll just I'll close the door. You know, <laughs> accidental Zoom wandering. Sure. It's fine. You need to start asking Andy questions, Courtney. Just step up. Just do it. Ben, we all want Ben it. and Reem were baiting me to like try and ask Andy a question, Andy which obviously a... I wouldn't do because I'm not no longer, I don't cover the ATP. It would be unprofessional, which I keep telling you guys. But you, no, it's not professional for me to ask those questions. You cover the ATP on NCR. You're good. I don't cover the ATP. You're about to break down a whole draw. It's going to be fascinating to hear your insights. Yeah, this is the first time I'm looking at it. Yeah, pretty um, much me too, so... honestly. But <laughs> the thing I'll say, but yeah, and Andy was in a good mood. He was talking. He was talking about. He was talking about Noel's, you know, Pikachu's. He was in a great mood. 
Oh my gosh, that was so that was so cute. Yeah. Like honestly, first of all, Noel's Pikachu situation unbelievable. It was a lot. Noel is a writer for Vavil, mm-hmm. um, and he had a whole lineup of Pikachu's in the back of his. Yeah, and I loved it. It made me. I don't have Pikachu's, but I have like a bunch of like Funko Pops on my bookshelf. But I moved them because I didn't want people to make fun of my Funkos. But like, I feel like Noel has really encouraged me to let my Funko flag fly. I, I also I just thought that. about set design. I actually changed out. I put this like quilt, quote unquote quilt of CD of CD liner notes things behind me, behind my shoulder. Next time I'm on your screen, oh. check it out. I only saw the I only saw the Flyers jersey. Oh, that's on the other side. So on that's on one side of me, and the other side is you had a globe. Where, on yeah, the on the globe side, I've I've done some changes on that side. Uh, okay. So just keep it keep it in mind. Um, Novak okay. Djokovic. Speaking, of, I haven't done yeah, anything. Speaking of changes. Uh, Novak Djokovic has not changed his winning ways. He is 23-0 and on the year, which is no one's been undefeated going into September for a long time. Granted, big asterisks on that. Although he will have to play one more match in uh, August because he plays a Monday night match, which is rough for him. Given going deep in Cincinnati and his, his strong start, but he opens against a pretty comfortable draw here, really. I mean, Jumer is a it's a player who's a, you know will play some long rallies, but Djokovic has so much more firepower than a Jumer. And then Kyle Edmund, I feel like, is a good matchup for, for Novak. Um, Justice for Bubbles. Yeah. I want Bubbles Novak round two. <laughs> I know. But Edmund's, I don't know. Edmund's been like, yeah, we'll see. Again, I, I don't have, and then Struff, I think it's not been great, I want to say, on the resumption. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But maybe, actually, I have no, no idea what he's been good. doing. Okay. He's been, he was great this week in Cincinnati. Was How it? do I know this, but you not know this? Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Did you spill ben, your soda I again? Spilled, I just spilled coffee all over myself. <laughs> but my That's what your situation is a problem. You. That was... Well, I had to Google my Struf, which Google changed to Strufoli, uh, which apparently is a dessert. So Jan Lennon Struf in Cincinnati defeated Deminer, then defeated Shapovalov, then defeated Goffin. Okay. Yeah, these are wins. And then he lost three and one to Djokovic. To make the quarters. Yes. But, you know, he played Djokovic kind of tough, I can think, you t- at Wimbledon. Can you tell me more about Strufoli? I'm actually more intrigued by that. What is that? It was. It looked really good. It looked like some sort of deep fried. Oh, Struffoli Italian honey balls. Ooh. Oh, Giada, tell me more. Giada. <laughs> oh, these look delicious. They're like little dough balls, I think, that have been deep fried. Oh, so they're like like Italian donut holes or beignets or something. A little bit more beignet like, I think. Okay. I'm yeah, in. That have honey. Honey on top. There's white wine in it. Ooh. Hazelnuts. We'll put Ooh. the recipe on our Patreon. Oh. Yes. Thanks, Giada. Thank you. We will pirate your recipe for Patreon. <laughs> Other Elsewhere in this section, John Isner, fellow member, of, a founding member, and he opens against so Steve Johnson. Uh, this should be all fine for, for John. I see no issues for him. Other see Busta. So I see John getting a comfortable fourth round loss to Djokovic. Wait, can I ask you a question about John? Yeah. Because I don't obviously sit in his press conferences anymore. But, like, is he comfortable, like, dealing with all of this politics stuff? Like, um, like is, is it, it going to annoy him that he's going to just get, like, I don't know if people are going to ask him about it all the time. Maybe that's he just He doesn't get a ton of Novak, questions about but... it anymore. He certainly did. Okay. He got questions about it during, at least from, like, in the hallway Gimmel... where reporters were talking about it, like, during 2016, like, that election. He got, Did he get questions about Gimmelstab? Yes, he definitely did. And he was like, and he was pretty def- much defending Justin throughout. Right. He talked about the tours. I talked to him about the, when there was the, 
not this master resignation, but the master resignation before this one last year at Wimbledon, when a bunch of players dropped out, I talked to him for that story um, about ATP council issues. Uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll talk about. I think he'll be fine with that. I just I, I only asked because I was wondering, like, is it something that would like annoy him and kind of like be a drain on him? Or is he just like, whatever? Like, I fully do not know how he would be on like the Osaka stoppage. That's a whole different issue. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Nor do I really need to find out what he thinks about that, honestly. But yeah, I think he's he's generally not shy about things. He's not like strident either, but he's also not especially apologetic about things. He's somewhere in between. He's pretty he's pretty even keeled. Gotcha. Okay. When you're that tall, you have to be. Because that way you just fall over. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Next section, speaking of tall... Tall boys, B-O-I-S, tall boys. Riley Opelka is in here opening the first round against David Goffin. That's the first round to circle. Oh, wow. Opelka made quarters, his first Masters quarter in Cincinnati. Has been playing very solid tennis all year. This is a rough draw for Goffin. And also in this next section of their little section there is Phil Krajanovic, who made quarters of Cincinnati and nearly beat Milos Raonic there. So I expect those three players, or one of those three players to... Well, sorry. Whoever wins Opelka and Goffin, I expect to get comfortably through to the third round where they'll play Krajanovic. And that's that. And then the other part is... Uh, hey, do I get input? Yeah, please. Go ahead. On that? Go ahead. Can I call Baloney on your call here? Yeah. What are you, who, do, who are you Baloney? Uh, uh, Riley Opelka looked very impressive, Yeah, obviously, in Cincinnati and has been looking more and more impressive as the year had started. And just, yeah, just a dangerous player nobody wants to play. However, he did pull the ripcord due to bad knees against Stefano Sissipas. Mm-hmm. At 5-6 in the and first And apparently, game. yeah, like he's had bad knee issues in the past and um, had been muttering on court that it wasn't just one knee, that it was both knees. Mm-hmm. So I would just be mindful of that as he has to, that's not an easy first rounder for him. So yeah, just just circling that. I, I, I wouldn't. I, he's not chalk, is my point. Between this and Mr. And, and Mr. Honey flavored dessert, like you are all over these guys. I gotta say, this is good work. I'm impressed. I don't know why I know these things. I think probably is because like I have to watch a lot of ATP in order to because I have to wait for WTA matches to start or something like that. Sure. But I don't even think that that's the case because I watch WTA TV. So I don't I don't know how I know this. Opelka but... threw me off too because he because this match with Steph finished so fast because it was a first set retirement. That like I did take yeah. note of that. You're right. That's a good thing to flag. Although I was hoping, for his sake, that was largely pre-slam precaution. It could have been. It could have been. But which it also might be. We should mention for Osaka. Like she might not have wanted to roll the dice before a grand slam. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, I mean, Osaka's got a hamstring injury and she's playing. You know, Misaki Doi. Uh, Riley Opelka potentially has knee issues that definitely impacted his serve like against Tsitsipas. I mean, he still has the ability to just fire yeah. He didn't bombs. get broken, but yeah. He did, yeah, but like it, it was a bit dicey at times, but you know, he's playing, you know, the seventh seed Goffin, which is different than playing Masaki Doi. So, yeah, but you know, as we said, we're, we have very few data points, so whatever data points we have, we gotta we gotta highlight them. I'm not a big fan of the genre of video of YouTube content, people watching something and reacting to it, like as adorable as those like Phil Collins kids were. Um, Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. However, I really feel like I owe it to the world, or at least Patreon, to do one for Denis Shapovalov's new single, Night Train, um, which I listened to 30 seconds of and had to like pause to like catch my breath several times because it is a lot. But you haven't seen the video. You see, there's, there's a video for this? I only saw the audio. There's well, Andy Roddick reacted to a video. It's like a lyric video or it's like a real like music video. 
it's like a music video. There's, as Andy Roddick said, what I love about this is that there's Ferraris and then a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with anything and then backhands. <laughs> okay. If we can find this, I will at least, if you want to join me, Courtney, we'll do it with Patreon reaction video to Dennis Robloff's No, I don't want to join you. You know how I feel about secondhand embarrassment. I don't But like for me, like, all. look, like, I don't think it's embarrassment when you are a rapper and rappers are all about like bragging and i think dennis chapovalov is much right to be a rapper as any other human on this no i'm not saying that i'm going to be embarrassed that dennis chapovalov is a rapper i'm saying that i feel like i would be secondhand embarrassed because it's not good i don't know that it's not good though it's interesting i understand that but there's a risk that it might not be good and i just don't want to laugh at somebody i don't like that that's fair I just, I just like there are a couple I, like you know how I feel about like reality television I and know, I know but, Honey Boo Boo and all that sort of no I just I cannot deal with any of it. Well, Honey Boo Boo is like not my thing. Porn. That's different, but Shapovalov is just like fair. I, I don't know. I was really excited, and people who remember when Dennis Shapovalov and we're gonna have Blair Henley on the show soon, uh, but when Blair Henley Legend. gave Dennis Shapovalov the mic and he started rapping. I actually thought his flow was pretty solid. Like none of the lines rhymed on any level, which was a problem for me. But now that he's had time to like be in the studio and like fine tune things and get things to start rhyming with each other, I'm really excited for where he can go. So I I'm mm. <laughs> look, I will I will buy a ticket on this night train. I might get off at the first stop, but I will I am at least boarding. It's cool, man. I'll take the next train. <laughs> take the day train. <laughs> take the day My train. Courtney takes the morning Love train. Love a day train. I, you know how I feel you know how I feel about trains. You do like trains. I like trains. I like taking them during the day. That's the whole point. Why would you take a night train? Like, honestly, the whole, if you need to get somewhere in a hurry, like overnight, just like wake up in the morning and take a flight. Why would you take a night train? The whole purpose of trains is that you take them during the day so that you can see the, you can see the countryside and you can see the, the sights. Look, I'm all for that. I know some people do like taking trains at night so they can like sleep and like save themselves a hotel night to like pay for like Oh, I've done that. Trust me. One go. I've done, I've done Rome to Paris many times mm-hmm. on a train overnight. One time... I was in the car with a lady, a pregnant lady from Ukraine and her husband. Mm-hmm. And it was real stressful because she was V pregnant, but they definitely did not pay for a situation that would allow her to be as comfortable as she could possibly be while pregnant. Basically, like I left the room all night and just slept in the bar so that they had more space. That is so you. I know. Because now it, what's so me is that I did it, but now I'm bitching about it. That's actually what is very me. Like fair, I will absolutely like make sacrifices, but you will hear about it. <laughs> You'll do, you, she would have never heard anything Ukrainian. Yeah, no, I offered. She didn't even ask. I was like, "Why don't you just put all of the luggage on my bed, and I'll just I'll I have a book. I'll just go." And then like I just yeah slept in the the the, the cafe. And then another time, it was with an old lady who was not about me leaving my light on while I was reading. Or, like, any of those things. By, like, 9 p.m., she was like, yeah, no, we're done. And that was really frustrating. I think I slept in the bar again. <laughs> so, like, so, no, don't take the freaking night train, is my point. Okay. Noted. Noted. No- notes to Dennis Shapovalov. The Public service announcement. The third section. of uh, Sorry. The uh, second quarter of the draw is led by Stefano Tsitsipas, who opens against... Albert Ramos Vignoras, and then gets possibly Maxime Cressy, who people haven't seen him. I think he'll make a big impression on the stage. He's, a, he's quite a 
a loud character. I didn't know he was American. Yeah, he's he's French American. He's born in France. He represents America now. Oh, ah, okay. Um, Maybe it was a name or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely like he's a French point. fella for sure, but he plays for America. Oh, okay. But he's been he's I think he's I guess he's a citizen. I don't know. He went to UCLA. Played at UCLA and then now represents Yeah, I knew that, yeah. Now represents uh the US and has been steadily rising. Yeah, super loud fella. Even like Tim Smeachek wants to yell at him to shut up. And Tim Smeachek is like the most <laughs> unagitatable fellow in his past playing days. So Chris gets a lot. I think Sitsipas will hopefully be oblivious to that. Uh, I think it's a good draw for Sitsipas. I expect him to make quarters with little to any problems. And probably semis. Yeah. I mean, I was impressed by by Steph this week. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because like he played a bunch of big servers, so it wasn't like he was playing rallies or whatever. But we know Steph is good in the rally, like no yeah. big deal. Um, but yeah, no, I was impressed by Steph. I just cannot see him losing... Yeah, before the semis, you're right. Yeah, no, I mean Zverev. So in the in the next, skipping ahead to the next bottom half of this quarter, Zverev opens against Kevin Anderson. That's a that's like the marquee men's match in the first round of the draw in terms of both guys being big deals. Rough go for Zverev, who has been uh, stinky. He lost in the first round to Andy Murray in a match that, like, for me, I like never doubted that Murray was going to lose that match. Sorry, I never doubted that Murray was going to win that match. Like. I'd had so much confidence. Really? Yeah, I was like all over that. I was very much like not believing in Zverev. Zverev didn't seem to believe in himself either. And Andy seemed like he believed. Andy was like, Andy smelt blood from the beginning, you could tell. And Zverev double Well, yeah, the sabering was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was absolutely, what was it, 2007 Aga Redvanskaying on return. It was spectacular. Yeah. So uh, so Zverev is, is dubious. Um, on paper, this is a great draw for him. But I kind of think it's going to come down to whoever wins the third round between... Uh, Hubie and uh, Diego in in that in that upper part of this this draw because I, I I don't see and Manorino loves fast courts actually so if these courts are playing really fast maybe Manorino can even beat Zverev um, or Anderson Nakashima also worth watching if, you if anyone hasn't seen him Brandon Nakashima uh, another American wild card uh, could give Zverev some trouble potentially so yeah not high on Zverev right now if Zverev plays well this is not a super tough draw for him so I could think he could get to the quarters and then lose to Tsitsipas who kind of owns him. Um, so yeah, I see it's a positive semis here pretty, pretty straightforwardly. You know, who's going to beat him in the round of 16. Beat who? Zverev. Um, Hubie. Obviously. Obviously. I mentioned that. I was, yeah, Hubie's in there. I just want to make sure. I'm sorry. Look, we're all. My phone's blowing up. Is your phone blowing up? Cause <laughs> my... something happening? I think our phones are collectively blowing up. I think they took the photo. Oh yeah. The photo for the. <laughs> Let's, let's do a live breakdown of this bow, bow. Oh, wait. The socially distanced part is funny. Okay, hold on. So they're all on court. Oh, are they socially distanced? Oh. Yeah. Okay, so we're live reacting to this? Yeah. Who posted it? I don't know. I just got it from Reem in our group chat. Hold on. Oh, okay. It does look like an album cover, the way they're all standing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's also hard to tell who they are with the masks. Was this, was this taken on a phone? And by phone, I mean... Like an old flip phone? Like a like a graphing calculator? <laughs> like. <laughs> Man, um, I'm not sure. It's fun. It, I think the thing is my reaction to this is only the way that it is because of all of this. Like they will be taking an original nine like iconic photo. That was my phrasing. I mean, but but I know yeah. I know that was your phrasing. That's why it's like that was in my head. So then when I opened this up, maybe the expectations we're not fair to them. My issue is that I just can't tell who they are with these masks. So it's like, it's like they're like 
at once. Like, we're together, well, but also, like, we're kind of anonymous. Which is not their fault. I'm glad they're wearing masks, but still. Masks and spacing and they're all wearing their credentials. <laughs> which kind of amuses me. Oh, you know what's actually fun with this, though, is is they kind of aren't recognizable, but if you zoom in... You can tell. Like, I was like, like oh, like Novak oh, and Vashik in the front. Novak and Vashik in front. And then, Isn't that, is that Hubie in the red? That's Hubie. Yeah. Harrison, Harrison's behind him, right? Behind who? Behind Hubie. Is that not Ryan Harrison? Oh, yeah, that behind is. Yeah, Hubie, that, that pose but... is very Harrison, for sure. Yeah, I was like, oh, hey, Ryan Harrison. I think um, that's Garen, maybe, in the in the red shirt with the blue jacket between them. Or in the lower that, left part of the photo. Is that Ruben in the black shirt? No. Is it? Noah Rubin? Behind Isner? Kind of behind the net, behind the Emirates sign. Oh, yeah, maybe. I really, it's too blurry for me to be. That's hard. It's, that it's, a, it's a fellow with dark hair. Yeah, I, I would need this annotated. But um, yeah, I can tell it's Kovalik in the, on the lower right because he's close up. But the ones in the back, I really can't identify. Very well, you know what's pixelated. hilarious about this? I would not have if you if I had not known the situation of anything and I just opened this up and and looked around, I would not have known that that was Vashik. <laughs> yeah, Vashik is not easy to spot. Well, it, it just doesn't look like him. You're thinking the same one as Vashik know. as me, right? The one near the, the baseline, shirt, the black near the hoodie. Baseline. Yeah, the black hoodie, gray shorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like if if I didn't know that that was supposed to be Vashik, I wouldn't have thought it was Vashik. I don't know who I would have thought it was, but I also think it's interesting they did this on site. Right, I'm like I guess they don't have many oh, options. Oh, there's also in the that. But like when the ATP, no, when, they, when they had their original, like 30 years ago, they had this like big thing that the ATP did as a sort of revolutionary moment in the parking lot. They made it, it like it clearly like offsite because it was like unsanctioned. But here they're doing it on what is this? A grandstand, I think. Well, that's actually a legitimate kind of like I only say this because I know that like for example, when we if we want to do if I say WTA. If the WTA wants to do a photo shoot, right, at the Australian Open, we're not allowed to do it on the Australian Open site. Like, we have to go, we have to find, like, a separate site to do it at, unless you get express permission from the tournament that you can do it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of crazy, because, I mean, there's sponsorship branding on this, obviously. Like, Emirates, JP Morgan. Like, they're, they're kind of, I don't know, if I was, if I was... Knowing the federations, irrespective of their stance on this whole thing, knowing I, I as a tournament, you do not, you wouldn't want this. I wouldn't want a U.S. Open logo in this photo. No, no. So and that's kind of surprising. That was a good halftime break for this draw, actually. Uh, Sorry, no, it's good. No, just, we... it's just on my phone was like buzzing, and I was like, "What is going on?" So. We get to move now that the is behind us. Uh, we move to the bottom, bottom half. Um, Matteo Berrettini, Matt Berrettini is here uh, in the section with Rublev. Those are two pretty big hitters. I think they are pretty much the two to talk about in this section. Yeah, so number six, Berrettini, number 10, Rublev. I see them getting minimal resistance through to the uh, fourth round, where I think it's kind of a coin flip. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm with you there. Uh, there's I, a, I, see, I see your logic. There's a great video of, uh, I'm going to say this the way I would say it initially first, of Emil Rusevori, uh pronouncing his name, that they, I think ATV or Cincinnati put out last week. It is spectacular. The the sounds that come out of his mouth for his last name, wonderful, beautiful language finish. Loved it. <laughs> and he's also a ginger, so lots of lots of excitement for him. He's newly into the top hundred, uh, playing Alyosh Bedene. 
Bettinay was somebody, speaking of different quarantines, Bettinay was somebody who had issues during this whole stoppage because he did not want to leave Slovenia because he was concerned about the, you know, ability to travel between countries in Europe, even though he has a place still in the UK. He did not want to leave Slovenia because he thought he would get locked out or have to quarantine two weeks on both sides each way. And so he, like, did not have many training partners at all, he was saying. He was, like, yeah. he was struggling for who to hit with in Slovenia. There's not any other players there at tour level or close to it, I guess, who were who were in the country. So he was saying that was an issue. But he still, I think, made third round of Cincy as a qualifier, so he did fine in the end. But, uh, yeah. Um, he just another yeah, example of somebody who had a had a tough tough training wise core time. Yeah. Yeah. So Berrettini, Rublev. That's that's about that. Uh, the next part of this section is last year's finalist Daniil Medvedev, who comes into this tournament after a pretty solid run to the semifinals, no quarterfinals of Cincinnati. Was up a set and a break on Batista Agut and then lost. It was a bit surprising. I thought he'd win that match. I thought he'd win Cincinnati. He was in such control. Yeah, that was like I was like very because I was planning writing a story on him last week, especially before stuff blew up and. Other storylines interceded. And I still think Medvedev is very much a player to beat. He's my favorite to make the final out of this bottom half, for sure. Almost like draw unseen. Gosh, Betty, shut up. Betty does not agree. Betty, Betty is like, you're forgetting Dominic team. Like, I don't know what she's saying, but uh, justice for Kekmanovic. Betty's a big team who, head. Who yeah, I think that Medvedev is a good bet to uh, through here. I don't see anyone really to stop him. I'm also note, intrigued to see uh, Guido Pella in the draw. I guess he's playing. Yeah, both him and Delian are both in the, the US. Yeah, they're both draw. in this section too. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe that's all resolved. Good for them. Okay. Yeah, I see Medvedev. I, Dimitrov is still question marks after his COVID battle. I don't think he's at a place where you can picking him to make to be to be beating a Medvedev. I just don't see that. Best of five, by the way, it's worth emphasizing for these men. It is best of five. It's uh, Medvedev. It's Medvedev said, Medvedev said, like very forebodingly in his press, very forebodingly, maybe it's a little strong, but like he was like, Yeah, it's, I'm very curious to see how it's going to go. It could be ugly. There's going to be a lot of withdrawals. And I asked him, like, Would you have been happy with open for best of three? He was like, I would have loved that, but I don't think anybody considered it. And so some people took that on Twitter to be like, Haha, they weren't even considering it. Where like the point is that he thought it'd be a good idea. So whatever. Um, <laughs> so the closed mindedness of the men continues afoot. Uh, and we'll see what they get. I am ready, to, not on an individual. I will try to keep any shot and throw I have at a non-individual level. But if like twenty guys retire from matches in this tournament, like you saw this coming, ATP, you know what you did. You know what you did. You know what you did. And I will point out also, if this goes badly, still plenty of time for French Open to reconsider. Still plenty of time on many levels. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I just. I mean, it's it's not go the, the thing is that it's not going to matter. I think that what's going to happen, though, is that the, the best of five is going to obviously impact, in my opinion, the lower ranked players, which means the seeds will move through, which means that they're the men will get the tournament that they want. No, like, you know, like at the end of the day, the players that are supposed to be there will be there. And the likelihood of the upsets early on maybe is far, far, far less is my guess. Maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Next section, number, uh, uh, bottom quarter, is led by, uh, well, the top part of the bottom quarter is led by Roberto Batista Agut, recent semifinalist in Cincinnati, who really seemed to have Djokovic on the ropes and couldn't close Djokovic. Very good Houdini this week uh, to keep his streak alive. In one of the toughest first round matches of this tournament, opening at Tennis Sangren, who's been very solid this year, making Australian Open quarterfinals, had seven match points against Federer, as you'll recall in those quarterfinals and then had a couple I remember that that happened 10 years ago yeah and then had a couple of decent wins uh in Cincinnati as well I believe could get Ronich 
some finalists uh, in the third round. So this is a pretty loaded section here, actually. Ronich, uh, Kudflace, fellow Canadian and fellow supporter Vashik Pospisil in the second round. I gotta think Pospisil's mentally elsewhere. I don't really see him being a threat at this tournament. But yeah, this is a tough little section for for Bobby Batista. Bobby Batista makes him just sound so much cooler. <laughs> no, it just go it, it, he sounds so can much more badass. Yeah. yeah, Bobby Batista for sure. I feel like, yeah, it's very, you know, it's very Bobby Bonilla. Exactly. I was thinking Bobby Bonilla, yeah. Yeah, it's very Bobby Bonilla. Um, yeah, so, yeah, no, agree with all that. Super impressed by Milos Raonic, by the way. Yeah. Both on and off the court. But but just on the court, I, I just think that he was he was really, really good. And assuming that, you know, you, you think about, like we were just mentioning, best of five. You talk about the quicker courts. I mean... It seems like, I mean, obviously Novak was the last one standing in Cincinnati regardless, but best of five short points, big serve seems to be where this tournament's going to lean, I think. Um, so, yeah, you, you do have to you do have to like Milos's chances of uh, looking through here. Yeah, making the final. I'm just going to say it. Oh, over over Medvedev. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yes, Okay, it's fair. I'm going to go. Yes, not not by a huge margin and not based on anything. Uh, but I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think it's a tough sec. I think, I think Bobby Batista is a, a tough third round. That's going to be one of the best third rounds here. The rest of this draw, I haven't seen a lot of, of, of Karen Hachinoff to know. He plays Yannick Sinner first. Sinner's not been great in 2020 to my dismay. Queries in here. This is a tough, sort of some names in here. Um, yeah, I think it's, this is either Bobby or, or Milos getting out of here. And then, um, bottom section, Dominic Team who uh, played 28 exhibition matches by his count, he told us. 28 matches, and then flew to New York for his first real match and got drubbed by Philip Krajanovich, 2-1 and one or 1-2, one and two, something like that. Really just beaten out of this tournament. His draw is good, though. First two rounds, at least, against Munar, and then uh, Sumit Nagal, who I definitely recognize in that Pataha photo. Klon, so nice-looking draw for a team to make third round, I think, without too much issue. Uh, and then Chilich, if Chilich is on... Chillage could potentially cause some problems for for team, and then I'm not going to get on a Dan Evans type train. I'm not doing that. But um, Andy Murray's in here in this section and opening against Nishioka, a battle of nice boys. Not fair, redraw. <laughs> nice boys match, uh, and then plays redraw, and then plays Felix. Winner of that could play Felix second round with Tiago Montero. Uh, Felix, not a lot of slam resume to his name yet, despite his his ranking being in top twenty for a, a stretch now. Um, so interesting chance for Felix to maybe, maybe there's no reason Felix can't make a quarter here. I think if, if he's playing his peak, but, uh, yeah, still, un still unproven in best of five and at grand slams. What do you make of this section? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in love with this section. <laughs> like I said, I would like a redraw. I do not like that. Andy Murray has to play Yoshioda Nishioka. I don't like that. Yoshioda Nishioka has to play Andy Murray. Just not pleased about it. Yeah, I just, it's so interesting, you know, because I think that what I would think about a lot of this men's draw would be very different It was if it was best of three versus best of five. So I feel like that's just such like a big um, variable, obviously, which obviously it's supposed to be. And people who love that format are like, that's the whole point. Okay, cool, man. Do you. And they will. So, but yeah, no, I, I have no idea out of this section. Um, 28 exhibition Matches is 26 more points than he won on serve against Krajinovic. On return, weird. yeah. On return, I mean, on Krajinovic's serve. So that was weird. 
Um, fast court, eh, I don't know. No, I'm not taking team. Shilich. I'm not taking team deep here. I mean, he could maybe make quarters, but then he's losing to Milo Shababi. Man, I'm just gonna do it. Dan Evans is making the quarters. See, that's a real possibility. I feel like I feel like I leave that to the tennis podcast to make those kind of calls on Dan Evans because they love to put Dan <laughs> Evans deep into slams. Um, this is where you put the, the, the hyperlink to the tennis podcast podcast. <laughs> It'll to work be like, out someday. Just go for them, there. I'm they'll, sure. they'll explain it. It'll they work will out. explain the Dan Evans yeah. to the quarterfinals slash semis. Dan Evans, 2020 U.S. Open champion uh, <laughs> line of thought. But for now, at least for me, yeah, I I guess I'd pick him to the quarters. Best tweet of the year is still Ricky responding to. T- I think if it was David Law or tennis podcast, but they were like. How well he's playing at ATP Cup. How deep can Dan Evans go at the Australian Open? <laughs> and Ricky replied, "If he has an extremely lucky draw, maybe second round." And <laughs> and Dan drew protected ranking. Mackenzie McDonald, amazing draw, and barely won that match. It's Mackenzie McDonald to make the second round where he promptly lost. So it was the it aged nothing has aged as well as the Ricky Diamond tweet. So. Oh. It was, you know, Ricky takes his his slugging percentage is is, is key. Yes, Ricky. exactly. He takes swings. <laughs> like he takes swings. He takes big swings. Sometimes he's swinging a miss, but he ta- he takes him in stride. Yeah. He never hangs his head and he keeps on swinging. And I respect that. I respect that from Ricky. Absolutely, a valuable addition to your beloved Oakland A's lineup. One hundred percent. And that was the Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> and that was the draw for this U.S. Open. Like I said, we'll be back with you through the tournament to update more of this, more thoughts on other things. We can probably get more into, you know, or Osaka or whatever other stories coming out of Cincinnati week, even as we follow up. We're going to talk to Blair. Hopefully we're recording that tomorrow. Hopefully you can be there, Courtney. I'd love to have you there. Would love to. Would love to. And yeah, I think that's about it. So I feel like I should let folks go here. But thank you uh, to all of you for listening. Uh, and thank you especially to our Patreon supporters. We have a couple new ones I want to mention. So thank you to our new backers, Carl G. and Sean Mulroy. And thank you to our Slam Champ backers, who include Sean Mulroy, Audrey Wellens, Joseph Har, Susanna W., Mary Carrillo, Liz Kennel, Chuang Nguyen, Jonathan Weinbaum, and Betty. And that'll do it for us. Any any other postscript notes for the show, Courtney, as we, as we sign off here? Um, do I have any? No. I mean... This will be very, very interesting. It'll be different. That's all I have to say. I, I, ju- I just, I don't know what it all means, but, and, and, w- and how we're all going to pull this off, especially because obviously, Ben, you're, you are at least in the time zone yeah. uh, for the US Open, but uh, yeah, the rest of us are all over the place. So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge, but um, so bear with us. <laughs> we're going to do our best, just like the players, and hope that we survive it all. And that will be a victory in a very, very significant way. Time zone, I do not. I have not really figured. I don't think I'm traveling for Paris, but God, the Paris time zone is going to be so much rougher. Like that's that. I remember even just as a fan watching the French Open, it started way too early. Sure, yeah. Um, often starting at six a.m. or maybe even five a.m. sometimes. So yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for all the journalists who are coming in, uh, covering this tournament either really late or really early. Like I remember seeing a Osaka press conference and I'm thinking, like, gosh, it's like you know six a.m. for these Japanese reporters who are here covering this. Um, so yeah. I, my best wishes to everybody involved on site and off site. Keep up the uh, the good fight, and uh, see you guys later. Bye. Oh, and stay in your damn bubbles. Yes, please. That's it. Do that. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>